face is my name, eating my wings to make me tame. The Red Sea, the Red Soul, the Red Elixir Vitae, Redstone, White Stone, Elixir Vitae, Luna in Crescent. Good evening, and welcome to Film Myths. I am your host, Count Darby, and today we will be talking about vampires. So pour yourself a drink, but be warned, I never drink. Bye. <laughs> uh, don't worry, that line is actually in the movie. Now it's time for an introduction. No one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. I never said, mm, you dirty rat. This is about trickery, fraud, about lying. What I actually did say was, Judy, Judy, Judy. Hello and welcome to the Halloween edition of Film Myths. And I'd just like to start off by saying, I think it's safe to say that nowadays people have vampire fatigue. I'll say, I'm over being a vampire, it's shit. So don't, don't believe the hype. I mean, I can understand for a while, it seemed like every year we got some new vampire fiction. Van Helsing, the Underworld movies, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and its spin-off Angel, etc, etc. It's only logical that there would be pushback. This was probably accelerated due to the popularity of the Twilight franchise. Yes, I know I'm late to the party, and yes, the jokes about it are done to death, but it's still a part of film history, whether we like it or not. Future film historians will have to analyze why these films were as popular as they were. And some are. I, however, will not do that. Instead, I want to address the most common complaint about the franchise, uh, sparkling vampires. Yes, it's not executed well, but what if I told you that vampires sparkling in sunlight is actually closer to Bram Stoker's intention than vampires being harmed or dying in sunlight? No, 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 hear me out. I'm not saying it's accurate. I'm saying it's closer. Because in the novel, Dracula was not harmed by sunlight. He was weakened by it, yes. However, that meant that he was powerless under sunlight. He was essentially a normal human in the sun's rays. Yes, he didn't sparkle, but the fact is that since they were both unharmed by the sun's rays, Twilight's interpretation was actually closer to the original novel than most depictions of the original novel. And you can't imagine how much it pains me to say that. However, this begs a question, why do so many of us think that Dracula is harmed by sunlight? Well, the answer has a surprising amount of history behind it. For this episode, we'll be talking about Dracula and the changes he went through from book to screen. First off, I'd like to say that Dracula is a character who's been adapted into so many stories. Each have their own rules. Some of them are adaptations of Bram Stoker's novel, and some of them are original stories. 
this is fine. I believe, personally, that if you restrict Dracula to just Bram Stoker's story, as well as stories based on his work, you unfairly leave out a huge amount of work that helped carve out Dracula's legacy and ensured that he is in unforgettable count that he is today. My point is, if you like a story where Dracula is harmed by sunlight, that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just here to explain why the weakness to sunlight got popular, as well as other things that films have changed from the novel that helped give Dracula his identity. Okay? Now that we have that in order, let's begin. First off, I'd like to clarify something. The idea of vampires was nothing new, even back in Stoker's time. There have been dozens of Penny Dreadfuls, as well as other novels that have featured vampires in the past. However, the impact of Dracula can't be understated, as even non-horror movie fans can tell you who he is. But what was he like, as described by Stoker himself? Well, as anyone can tell you, he was loosely modeled after Vlad III of Valachia, better known as Vlad the Impaler. His father, Vlad II, was nicknamed Dracul, which means dragon. So it's only fitting that his son would be named Dracula, which means son of the dragon. Now, Mr. Stoker only had a layman's knowledge of the Impaler's history. In fact, I think it's safe to say that most Dracula fans know more about the Impaler, or the historical Impaler, than Bram Stoker did. So, this is pretty much where the similarities end. Now, I want to talk about some interesting differences in their appearances. For one, Dracula is usually played by a handsome actor despite being described as hideous in the novel. Not just that, he was described as being very old and decrepit. His very appearance was enough to frighten Mina in the novel. Secondly, you won't hear him say things like, I want to suck your blood. In fact, it was remarked that the Count spoke very good English for a foreigner. I think I can tell you why he was given a Transylvanian act and later. Well, first off, uh, Bela Gossi had uh, naturally had that accent, and his performance became iconic, so everyone started imitating him. Secondly, it's fun to do. <laughs> it feels very vampire-y, for lack of a better phrase. I don't know what else to say. Now, why did they make him good-looking? Well, adaptations, especially Hollywood adaptations, have always made their characters better-looking. Sex sells, after all. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is interesting, after all, but why did the idea that vampires are harmed by sunlight spread? I mean, that's the entire point of this video, and you haven't gotten to it. Well, be patient. But the short answer is, Nosferatu, the first vampire depicted in film, was harmed by sunlight. That idea became popular in America, and since the American movie industry became the most predominant form of popular culture for many years, the idea of vampires being harmed by sunlight became, quote-unquote, common knowledge. The longer answer, on the other hand, is much more complicated and far more interesting. Now, first off, you may be wondering, who is Nosferatu? 
Well, if you're a certain age, you will know him from this clip. If that was you on the phone and you on the bus, then who was flickering the lights? Nosferatu! But film historians will cite him as one of the most iconic monsters of all time. He comes from the 1922 film Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror. This title, as you can tell, is very pretentious, so it's often shortened to just Nosferatu. It was an unofficial adaptation of Dracula, and when I say unofficial adaptation, I mean flat-out stolen intellectual property. Let me explain. In 1921, F.W. Manot asked Bram Stoker's estate for the rights to adapt Dracula. They said no. He made the movie anyway, and just decided to change some characters' names in hopes of getting away with it. He did not. Stoker's estate sued. Court ruled in their favor. It was ruled that every copy of Nosferatu be burnt. Now, personally, I find this to be a bit disproportionate. Now, don't get me wrong, this was theft. However, I don't like the idea of burning art. I feel like they should have taken a page out of Kurosawa's book. I, I know they obviously couldn't take a page out of his book because not only was this before that happened, uh, Kurosawa was only ten at the time that this happened. But hear me out. Way back when, a young, ambitious filmmaker named Sergio Leone wanted to remake Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo. He asked Kurosawa for permission to remake the film. Kurosawa said no, but Leone decided to make it anyway. That film became known as A Fistful of Dollars. It was actually known as Clint Eastwood's breakthrough hit. Uh, Akira Kurosawa, however, was very angry that Leone decided to remake the film without his permission. So, Kurosawa sued Leone, he won, and as a result, he was awarded a percentage of the film's property. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. But ironically, Akira Kurosawa made more money off of A Fistful of Dollars than he ever made off of Yojimbo. Now, isn't that food for thought? But let's get back to the matter of hand. The obvious question that you ask yourself after I reveal that all the copies were ordered to be burnt is, well, if all the copies were ordered to be burnt, how did Nosferatu, the film, not the vampire, survive to the point that we're still talking about it? Well, it survived through the long-honored American practice of piracy. Savvy. Yes, it turned out that they missed one copy. That copy was brought to America, and then they, we made more copies of that. We started showing it, and we loved it, of course. And, well, the Stoker estate was, of course, upset about this, but America really didn't care about other nations' copyright laws at the time. America! Yeah, you get the point. Eventually, Dracula came into the public domain, and there wasn't anything that the Stokers could do about it. So, Nosferatu survives to terrify any person who wants to watch a silent film, which I think is reserved exclusively to bearded losers like me. However, if you want to watch the film but don't feel like watching a silent film, there is a remake. 
It stars Klaus Kinski and was directed by Werner Herzog. Now, if you want something that has a little bit of fun with its premise, I would check out Shadows of the Vampire. Uh, Shadows of the Vampire is a fictitious telling about the filming of Nosferatu. Only it turns out, Max Schreck, the actor who played Count Orlock, commonly known as Nosferatu, was actually a vampire himself. Manot was such a method director and wanted to capture so much realism in his movie that he actually casted a real vampire. This is, of course, a satire of directors who go too far for realism, as well as actors who take things too far for the sake of a role. This doesn't necessarily refer to Manow and Shrek themselves. Max Shrek obviously was not a vampire, and contrary to popular belief, Shrek did work in productions before and after Nosferatu. From what I can tell, Manow was a perfectly normal guy. For a director, and I must stress, for a director. <laughs> now, now, it's well documented, my opinion of directors. I love them, but I don't think I'd introduce them to Ma, if you know what I mean. Paul, on the other hand, I think would get along with them, for the most part. You see, Paul has a particularly dark sense of humor. See, if Werner Herzog told my father about the story about how during filming of Aguirre, the Wrath of God, when and after provoking Klaus Kinski one too many times, Klaus Kinski pointed a gun at him. My mother would probably react to this story with horror. My father, on the other hand, would probably find this story hilarious. Now, my father himself has his limits. I mean, as Alan Alder would put it, If it bends, it's funny. If it breaks, it's not funny. So you gotta get back from the pain, you see what I mean? But the, the, uh, the like they said, they asked me up in, uh, uh, at Harvard, a bunch of kids asked me, Why, what's comedy? So I said, and, and this, this is part of what I'm trying to say about getting back from it. They, I, I said, comedy is tragedy plus time. Tragedy plus time. See, when the night Lincoln was shot, you couldn't joke about it. You couldn't make a joke about that. You just couldn't do it. Now time has gone by, and now it's fair game. I think my father would only find this story horrifying if it turned out that Klaus Klinsky actually fired the gun and Mr. Herzog unfortunately died. Now, I'm not one to criticize someone's sense of humor. I mean, I have a particularly dark sense of humor, too. I mean, every time there's a mass shooting that goes on, I have an urge to see Heathers. But, you know, that's not relevant to the discussion that we're talking about. Uh, Shadows of the Vampire is probably a closer satire to what it was like to film the remake that Werner Herzog directed. Werner Herzog is that kind of filmmaker that was kind of crazy to the point of wanting to cast a vampire for a role. Uh... And while Klaus Kinski obviously wasn't a vampire, he was just a horrible person. However, I still recommend watching the original if you get the chance. Yes, some scenes are dated. For example, there is one scene where Orlok's carriage is supposed to be going supernaturally fast. And in order to do this effect, the filmmakers just sped up the footage. At the time, I'm sure it was terrifying. But now it looks like...
However, one cannot deny that it created an atmosphere as well as visuals that still inspire us all today. Good night, everyone, and happy Halloween.